Bretto. Yes, Marcus. I don't want to hear this. What don't you want to hear? I don't want to hear someone come up to me on Monday and say, I had no idea about the Wellness Base Camp. Oh, I hate it when that happens. It's all been all over Facebook, Instagram, emails, podcasts. If you are listening right now and you've been under a rock or you've been flat out busy and you just haven't got to booking your tickets, don't get to Monday and send us an email saying you forgot. I was going to book a ticket. I was going to, I was going to, I was going to school holidays and then the kids went back to school and then I went back to work and blah, blah, blah. Don't let it happen. Thewellnessbasecamp.com. 50 bucks off your ticket, a few seats left, don't muck around. You've got Cindy O'Meara, Karen Smith, Kim Morrison, Joe Witten, Audra Starkey, Jules Galloway, Brett Hill. Oh, I wouldn't miss it for the world, Marcus. It's going to be so much fun. It's going to be so informative. There's amazing exhibitors there. The venue, I'm told reliably by Marcus Pierce, is incredible. There's just no reason not to be there. It's the most beautiful venue we've ever had. The Wellness Base Camp proudly brought to you by Zars and Alkaline Water. And we, as you said, we've got some wonderful exhibitors. So don't muck around. Don't be that person or people that says, I forgot. Head to thewellnessbasecamp.com. Thewellnesscoach.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to 100 Not Out, featuring your hosts, Dr. Damien Christoph and Marcus Pierce. Welcome to 100 Not Out, a weekly show dedicated to helping you master the art of aging well. My name is Marcus Pierce, and as always, it gives me great pleasure to introduce the co-founder of The Wellness Couch and The Wellness Guys. He is my comrade, my brother from another mother, the great Dr. Damien Christoph. Hello, legend. Hello, Legend. How are you, PC? Absolutely flying. And as always, this episode proudly brought to you by the 100 Not Out Mediterranean Longevity Experience on the beautiful Greek island of Ikaria, the island where people forget to die, to join Damo and myself for 10 magical days and some incredible people that are joining us. Go to 100notout.com for all the info. Damo, yes. I knew you were just going to launch straight in there. Yeah, go I might on. have some really exciting news to talk about with you uh, with regards to the longevity tour. Yeah. And if you had a call me back last night, I could have shared it with you. But Did you, you didn't call, call me? me back. I was on flight yeah. mode. Yeah, <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> uh, exciting, exciting stuff. Well, so, don't tell yeah. everyone before you tell me. So can we have an off-air <laughs> conversation about this? I know you love yeah. to just... Yeah, Spill the I'll beans, but um, let's chat post-interview because today, Damon, on 100 it. Not Out, we have one of the most inspiring individuals that I have come across in May of this year, Damo. One of the world's most difficult challenges gets underway in Cape Town, South Africa. The Unoguaja Challenge is a 1700 kilometer bike ride from Cape Town to Peter Maritzburg. Now, that is essentially from Melbourne to Brisbane. Uh, 1700k bike ride from Cape Town to Peter Maritzburg, followed by, that's done in 10 days, uh, followed by the Comrades Ultra Marathon, which is a grueling 89 kilometer race from Cape Town to Durban. It must be completed in under 12 hours. And Damo, we must give a shout out to your wonderful colleague, the great Carmen Atkinson. Yeah, I know, right? I texted her. I sent her a little message when I looked at uh, this that video that you sent me through about Andy's challenge. I was like, all right, I'm sending this off to Calms. Great chiropractor up in the sunny coast. I'm like, okay. 
calms. I reckon you're going to want to do this. And she said, I've never heard of it before, but it's now on my bucket list. And so she'll get it done. I know she will. She's done Comrades before. And uh, and she's a tri- an ultra marathon athlete and a triathlete as well, a, a uh, Ironman triathlete. So she'll nail it. Absolutely, she might, she'll um, nail it. She will be we'll inspired. Her too. Yes, yes, good idea. So this Unaguaja Challenge team consists of 12 people selected from around the world to participate and a team of 12 international supporters. One of them is 65-year-old. That's right, 65 years old, the great <laughs> Andy Steele, who joins us from his home in Brisbane. Andy, welcome to 100 Not Out. Thanks, uh I'm feeling really good, but I'm uh, 64. I'm 65 in a couple of weeks. So, well, well, Andy, you're spoiling my you're spoiling my preparation. By the time people hear of your wonderful efforts, you will be the ripe young age of 65, which just adds to the legend that is Andy Steele. <laughs> uh, you're unbelievable, PC. Andy, it's uh, it's quite a feat. 65 is not that old, actually. I remember actually thinking that 65 was old when I was 20, but now I'm 44. 65 seems around the corner, but um. It's it's quite a, a big deal to be 65 and doing something like this. Have you got rocks in your head? Well, I think I've got a few, but I've got them sorted <laughs> out. Because if you don't get the rocks sorted out in your head, you're never going to do something like this. And, and yeah, as you say, it's a huge challenge. Um, but it's a team that's selected with people of the right heart. And I think if you've got a heart for a big cause, um, you can overcome the head. Thing. Now, let's talk it's about... Sorry, Andy, let's talk about this challenge. It, it, from my understanding, it all kind of started back in 1933 uh, when a fellow by the name of Phil Mastodon Smith uh, could not afford his train ticket from Cape Town to Peter Maritzburg. He wanted to do the Comrades Ultramarathon, which is world famous, the 89-kilometer trip from Cape Town to Durban. But he had to get, uh, sorry, from, um, yeah, Cape Town, uh, from Peter Maritzburg to Durban. Um, but he had to get to Peter Maritzburg, obviously, to do comrades, couldn't afford the train ticket, so hopped on his bike and made the trek. Um, can you give a bit of insight as to what this challenge means, considering, I suppose, how steeped in history it really is? Yeah, look, I mean, the, the challenge itself was only resurrected to, um, to relive what Phil had done in 1931. It was only brought out in 2011. So there's only 54 people ever done it, been invited to do the challenge. Um, but that's correct. In 1931, he won Comrades. And in 1933, he couldn't afford the train fare to get from Cape Town to the race start. And he rode his bike. And you can only start to imagine, um, one, what the bike would have been like, and one, and two, what the roads would have been like um, for him to have made that trek. But he finished Comrades, and I think he finished in 10th or something. 1933. So, yeah, there was a young South African who picked this up and said um, that sort of tenacity um, and that sort of history can't be left to die. And he, he started Unagawaja in 2008. So it's, it's 12, 12 people from around the world, as you said, who are invited and 12 support teams around the world. It's incredible. It's such a it's a massive effort, and uh, but to coordinate twelve people, how do you get selected? Is it like you've just you have to apply and then drop in a resume, or do they watch you from afar and they go, oh, "He's going to be worth it." Andy's quite an athlete. We'll we'll get him onto our team. How do you get selected for this? Look, it, it, it's really um, I think all of all of the above, and having the right heart. So yes, you have to be able to tick the physical pillar. Um, 
you know, say you run marathons or ultra marathons or Ironmans or super tries or whatever, um, so you can show that you can physically finish the distance. And then you have to have a heart for the cause and, and there's a fundraising component that goes with it. So it's all of those and there's Skype interviews. I had two Skype interviews. Um, there's a two-minute video you put together about yourself and what makes you a, a good team member or um, able to do the Unagawaja Challenge. Um, I'd done a lot of research and I, I then spent probably 12 months getting bike fit. So before I, before I was... Uh, yeah, I was probably eight months on the bike to get bike fit, and and I've continued from in September last year. So. All right, so Andy, here's the thing, and 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 I, I, I honestly wasn't uh, meaning to sound um, what's the word? I didn't want to make your age uh, too much of the issue here, but I've seen the video. Damo's seen the video. Um, we'll pop the video in the show notes. Let's just be completely brutal here. You are at least three decades older than anyone that I've seen complete the challenge. Uh, I could be wrong. The the promotional videos are all young men in their twenties, maybe early thirties. Um, which just for me goes to, it makes this all the more um, remarkable. Uh, the, the furthest I've run, look, I may have run more than 21Ks. I've completed a half marathon. I don't remember if I did any runs further than that. Um, but to consider that you'll be on a bike for 10 days, 170Ks a day on average, uh, then to get off that bike and run 89Ks in less than 12 hours. Um, as Damo said, do you have rocks in your head or are you incredibly courageous? Clearly, as you've said, you've got a heart for it, um, that there's some, a, some, a great cause that this is all going towards. But how does it come to bear that a 64, turning 65-year-old man from Brisbane, Australia gets selected onto such a select team? Um, look, I, I'd spoken to the guy who organised it and started it in 2011 before I even suggested that I might start to train for it and just made sure that I had what was needed. Um, and talking to him on a, on a Skype call like this, he said, yeah, look, you, you, you've got what's needed. I spoke to a girl in Canada who I'd run comrades with who did it in 2015. So, look, I'd done a bit of research beforehand um, and knew that the bike was going to be the biggest challenge. I knew I'd run comrades in um, 2011, 12 and 15, so I knew I could I could do the run component, but it was doing the run component on the back of a of a pretty tough bike. And, and look, the bike is tough because it's not just 1,700 uh, kilometres. It's actually 18,500 metre climb from Cape Town. So it's two and a bit times Everest in, wow. in terms of metres climb. And that probably threw me initially. Um, but now I've, I've done a lot of training on hills and in studios. And um, I've got four months to yesterday to um, to get my backside ready and on the bike. And, um, and I'm going pretty well. So, yeah. I, uh, recently I was in Cambodia and I rode for 12 hours in a day. Um, actually, I rode for nine hours in the day, um, unprepared. I, my bum was sore. Like, it was so <laughs> sore. It was just nine hours. That's all it was. Um, and I was just treadling around the, um, the temples at Angkor Wat and Angkor Thom, and it was a pretty cruisy ride on a, a, a well-suspensioned <laughs> mountain bike hybrid thing. Yeah. Now you're going to be riding a lot, and so you got four months to get your bum prepared. I don't 
I don't envy that. But uh, that's incredible. And off the back of you having had some injuries in your back, and you do say at some point that uh, you thought your running days are over, which kind of means that almost all of your significant athletic endeavour is going to be over um, if you've blown something with your back and you blew a disc and you've since had surgery and it's all good. How much did that set you back, Andy? Look, it, it set me back, but it also made me stronger. Um, I didn't think that I would run again. Um, I had probably four years of no running and very little exercise, put on weight, got grumpy. Um, and then <laughs> finally, surgery was the only way to fix my back. I'd ended up hospitalised, um, small children, um, and, yeah, I was in a lot of pain. And mm. surgery became the only option. So then... Um, we got the mindset ready for, for surgery and, and did all that we needed to do, got as fit as I could for the surgery, walking, mm-hmm. swimming and those sort of things. And then when I went into surgery, I um, before I went in, I took my first marathon photo and took the took the painting down at the end of my bed and, and switched, the, switched the paintings over, basically. I dropped their painting on the floor and put my first marathon finish uh-huh. on the wall. And, and the nurse said, what are you doing? And I said, well, that's where I'm going to be. That's what I want to do. And she said, oh, I've seen Ironman come in here and triathletes and do this. And I said, oh, that's okay. I said, you haven't seen me. But um, <laughs> I, took, I took the doctor's guidance. I didn't run for a few for a year, almost yeah. a year. I did a lot of rehab, did the walking, did the running, and then you just got back into halves and, and marathons. And, and now I've run more ultra marathons and marathons since surgery in 2001. Um, than I had run prior, so it's it's uh, given me an absolute uh, um, joy to be able to do it and um, extend my my running and, and now riding. So yeah, look, I had an amazing outcome. I think though that this is so inspiring for for listeners, and um, you know, I'll put my hand up right now and say, look. You know, there's no doubt I've used, you know, surgeries I've had in the past as a, almost like as a part of a limited belief story that reasons why, you know, we can't do X, Y, or Z. Um, you know, for anyone listening that you also put their hand on their heart and say they have used, you know, um, events, circumstances from their life. It doesn't have to be surgeries, but it may have been surgeries that look, I can't run because of I had back surgery, I can't do this because of my knees or I can't do that because of my shoulders or whatever it is. Um, clearly, like you said, you had a vision that was so strong, purely between the ears and in your heart and soul that you held on to so strongly that you're now um, really you're manifesting that vision in such a strong and powerful way. Um, I think it's a lesson for all of us to, to never give up on, on your dreams, whatever those dreams are. And, you know, as I say, I mean, credit to you, the oldest participant ever selected for such a unique challenge um, is just a, a remarkable feat for someone that went through uh, the, you know, I almost say the ravages of back surgery. It does. It seems like the, the, one of the most least desired surgeries on the history of, uh, of mankind. Yeah, look, it is. And, and I've got a titanium disc and stainless steel rods and... Um, but now I've worked on on strengthening my core, my and my exercises are now different to prior to surgery. Um, so I've got a really really strong core and, and do some strength exercises. Uh, but yeah, your mindset is is your governor for a lot of what you do and don't do in your lives. And I always say if you can uh, you can control the, the top three inches of the head, you can do a lot. But if you believe um, what the body tries to tell us sometimes, or the little voice in our ear. Um, then you limit yourself. So mindset, mindset's a massive thing in, in ultra distance of any any sort. And the longer it goes, 
uh, the longer the distance goes, the more the mindset plays a part in, in whether you're across the line or not or that time. So, yeah. Oh, 100%. Great points, Andy. Um, Andy, there's obviously other parts to preparation for this sort of thing. And often when we talk to people who are ageing well, and at 65, it's hard to say that you're ageing, but you are, and you're ageing well. So well done. Congratulations. There's other parts of training and, and getting conditioned for this sort of thing. Diet's part of that. What do you have to do um, as a 65-year-old bloke, um, you know, particularly given that you're a Kiwi, you might have to do a bit more than everybody else. Um, what do you have to do for your food? Um, look, I, I go to a nutritionist, so um, um, Katie King's my my go-to person, and, and she understands ultra um, runs and distances. Um, so, yeah, look, protein, more protein has come into my diet with the amount of training I'm doing. Um, but, look, we keep it pretty simple. I'm not taking masses of supplements and, and uh, powders and goos and stuff. I mean, yeah, look, the odd gel and, and the odd uh, energy bar and those sort of things. I think it's knowing when to take the food so you don't bonk. Um, and you're starting with fuel on board if you're doing a long, 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 long ride. So And knowing your body, um, understanding, you know, signs of your body that, look, it's just too tired today. I've, I've, I've done too much this week. Um, so I need a little bit of rest, but yeah, nice. check, checking in with, with Katie every five or six weeks. I go to an osteo probably every six weeks. I get a bit of massage. I'm, I'm not in and out of these places every day, but I was certainly, uh, that way I can keep, you know, body. And you also know then that you can keep your mind in the right space because little niggles and things may, they just go with the territory when you're training for something like this. So, yeah. Yeah, no, so that's great. That's fantastic. It's good that you get all those things done to your body because a lot of people kind of, uh, they don't. You know, they they wait to see a naturopath when they're sick. And, I mean, you're seeing a naturopath, Katie, um, slash nutritionist, Katie, and she's a long-term listener of 100 Not Out. So thanks for listening and uh, for, you know, letting us know all about you, Andy. That's uh, that's great. Um, Katie, it's, uh, it's nice that you're sharing the message. Um, but a lot of people wait for things to go wrong. And you're using osteopathy. Uh, many people would use Cairo as well or and or um, you're doing massage. You're doing all these things preventatively and at the same time therapeutically to make sure your body's at the peak of your condition. Um, what else do you do? Uh, to, to manage your mindset because I, I would think that uh, just riding on a bike, on a gravel road, up mountains, which is agonizing for me, um, that would be quite distracting. Do you have to do meditation? Do you practice mindfulness? Do you do anything else? I try and practice mindfulness all the time. Um, I'm not as good on the meditation. I've tried it um, and I have to keep coming back and trying it. I, I don't yeah. think give up sit there if they're hard they're, and they're good for you they're probably something you definitely need to do so meditation stresses me out i think that's uh that's, so i understand that <laughs> I, I think mindfulness is something that comes into you every day so if you're at the traffic lights you're looking at the car in front of you you're looking at the bikes or the cars beside you um you're just very aware of where you are at that time. And, and I think that's the same when you're training. You're, okay, this is a block of one hour in the studio. This is what i got to do. Um, you're not thinking what you're going to do at the coffee shop or tomorrow or the next day. Or if you're in a marathon, I'm, I'm counting kilometres as I go. I say, okay, I'm at 26 to 27 kilometres. I'm at 30 to 31 kilometres. I know exactly where I am. And it, it's not easy, but I can I continue to do it so that I can 
um, be aware of where I am at that moment. I'm eating dinner, um, thinking about your dinner. Um, I'm sitting in the movie, um, trying not to fall asleep. You know, so it's 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 um, it's being in the moment, and and I don't think it's easy. If it was easy, um, as I say with marathons, if it was easy, everyone would do it. And the same with mindfulness. It's it's not easy, but we need to keep practicing it. That's for sure. So. Oh, you're 100. percent They do say what the, the the successful people in life do, what the uh, unsuccessful people aren't willing to do. And I think, as you say, that uh, being in that moment, whatever that moment is as hard as it is, is uh, a major part to the success. Andy, just one more question before we wrap this up. I'm curious, uh, do you have uh, quote-unquote well-meaning people in your life telling you that you're crazy, that you're too old to be doing this, that you shouldn't be doing something so drastic with you know possible physical and mental consequences of such a grueling challenge? Um, what is your network like? Doubtful, encouraging, where do they sit? Look, and, and that's what I was going to come back to. I think you've got to mix with people that are going to guide you and support you and get you to where you want to go um, because there's soothsayers out there that'll say it can't be done and they're, they're not particularly in my group, particularly if I'm training for something like this because you need all the support you can get. You don't need the people telling you it can't be done because I'm going to prove to you that it can be done and um, uh, I, I want the people that are going to support and encourage me and, and, you know, people like you are ideal for that. Um, Katie, my running friends, my cycling friends, my people at the studio. Um, yes, there's always people that think you're crackers, but that's okay. Um, I think if the cause is big enough, you can afford to be a little crackers. So. Uh, you are, well, some people call you crackers, we'll call you inspirational. It is a remarkable story, Andy Steele, and uh, we can't thank you enough. Now, we must mention before we wrap it up, um, how can people keep in touch? How can people see what you're up to? Um, obviously, as you've mentioned, there's been over 600,000 Australian dollars, over 6 million rand raised since the Unaguaja Challenge uh, kicked off or uh, restarted, I suppose, in 2011. How can people keep up with you, um, particularly as you kick off on the 31st of May? So they can go onto the Unagawaja site and and donate through my through my name there, um, yep. and then they can follow our journey even on a daily basis when we start on the thirty first of May. So you can actually they'll have daily podcasts and and tracking to show where we are, and and there'll be um, Facebook links and video things that'll come up on the on the on the journey to see how we're going. We get to stay at some of the places that we fundraise for. It's not five star hotel by any stretch. Um, we get to meet some of the kids that we help. Um, so we're, it's it's a really down-to-earth cause and, and it's a great cause. So if they go onto the Unagawaja site, um, my name and face is there along with 11 others and uh, and yeah, they can they can help raise the profile of Unagawaja and what we're doing. That'd be great. Oh, it's fantastic. Andy, all the very best and thanks so much for joining us on 100 Not Out. Thank you so much, guys, for having me. It's Good been, luck, Andy. Well thanks. done, mate. Damo, thank you so much as always for your wisdom on this podcast. You can find out more about the great man at DamienChristoph.com, myself at MarcusPierce.com.au. It's been another wonderful edition of the podcast. A big shout out to everyone who makes this podcast possible, to our editor, Joseph Tomo, to Rose, uh, Rosie Garner, who does our social media, to all of the wonderful guests, uh, past, present, and future on the podcast, and to you, our loyal listeners. Thank you so much for your support. You can provide the feedback in any number of ways. You can go to thewellnesscouch.com, check out the entire range of wellness podcasts available Available, including more of Damo on The Wellness Guys and myself on Your Exceptional Life. Until next week, thanks again for your support and continue to make the rest of your life the best of your life. 
This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.